0: This is Anna. Welcome to ReaderPod Podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for speaking with me. So we'll just quickly talk about the funny thing about Norman Foreman. This was a story that I absolutely love. Could you just tell us a little bit about it?
1: Yes. Sure, it's a story about not surprisingly Norman Foreman <laughs> he's a 12 year old boy but it's, it's as much a story about his mother Sadie so it's about the relationship between the two really and at the heart of it the story is about grief but it's very I hope very sensitively handled and handled with humour which sounds a little bit counterintuitive but Norman is 12 and him and his friend have an obsession with the old time British comedy heroes and they decide they want to take their own little comedy act all the way to the famous Edinburgh Fringe by the time they're 15 but and it's not a spoiler because this happens before the book even starts but um, it opens with the death of Jax who's his best friend and so Norman is left to try and navigate this terrible grief that's really too much for a 12 year old boy to handle so he doesn't know you know how to handle that and his mother who's a single mother she watches her son go through this grief and she feels helpless but she just wants to make him smile again and so through various things Jax and Norman had a five year plan which they had stuck up on their wall and Sadie resolves to help Norman and carry out this plan and get him to the Denver Fringe but also to help him find the father that he's never known and that sort of opens up a whole world of pain for Sadie because she has a background of her why she's particularly living down there in Penzance in the bottom of England there's reasons for it and so it is a story in the background at its heart it's about navigating grief but it's more about resilience and hope and finding happiness in the darkest of times.
0: It's such a heartwarming tender story I think that relationship between Sadie and Norman is just so sweet there's a line that I was just trying to remember Sadie wasn't at work because she was trying to hold his whole world up for him the love that she feels for him and the desperation of trying to keep it all together for Norman because she's grieving that Jackson's died as well
1: it's 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 very much her grief as well because she loved that kid as much as Norman did and I think because she's a single parent as well that was part of the hardship of their journey was they only really had each other yeah whilst really in truth that is enough they always felt they were in this thing together sort of and then you bring in their friend Leonard who goes with them on this journey to the Edinburgh Fringe and he
0: was like the fairy godmother of their quest.
1: He was the fairy godfather wasn't he? Yeah I had thought about that. I love Leonard. I I love Leonard. That's who I'd like to be when I'm 85, 87. (laughs) 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 He's very much, um, and again, no spoilers, but he he's very much a learner. He loves learning. He's always doing courses and things like that to keep up with the young people. And so he's the driving force behind this road trip because both Sadie and Norman, um, you know, they're sort of very reticent and they're very, they're kind of scared of everything. And, and Leonard literally drives in his old Austin and also um, drives them emotionally as well. I loved his courses that he did. I think he must have been doing courses his whole life. He do. There's some, so many <laughs> courses out there that almost made me feel like doing some of them myself. Some of those courses, I think, why wouldn't you're in your 80s and you're looking for something to do? Like, why not learn flower arranging or cake icing or <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so I plan was Dickie and Jax were going to get there by the time they were 15, which was kind of feasible. You should know, and again, it's not a spoiler because this is pretty much from the beginning. The thing about Jack and Norman, as often happens, opposites attract. Jax is a real naughty boy, and but Norman... Norman is so sweet and Jax was naughty. <laughs> yeah, so they're very much opposites attract, but Norman is not necessarily the funny one in the partnership so that causes a few problems. It's really
0: sweet that he wants to take up the mantle and get there anyway.
1: Right, yeah. And Sadie in her heart all she wants is to, to make him happy but she also has a lot of misgivings because she knows Norman. So
0: the writing of it I know that I saw in your goodreads that you had been writing it all over the place. It
1: makes me sound like such a jet setter but it's, it took me a long time to write it because I was writing other things as well and you know life gets in the way. All up it probably took about six years but that definitely wasn't writing it Every day, I didn't sit there for six years and write. But I stopped and picked it up, and, and I was writing something else actually when little Norman and Sadie appeared in my head. So I pushed that to the side. But it was a pleasure writing it. And whilst you know it's my debut, it's my first novel that's been published because I write for a living. But I didn't feel the pressure of it. I, I didn't feel like I was sort of cutting my teeth on it because I generally write a lot. But it's definitely the first book that I finished to a publishable degree. And
0: but it didn't just get published; it got a dream run of a publishing.
1: Yeah, it really, really was. I was living in the UK for a long time. So that's why my primary publishing deal is in the UK. And that I'm clearly Australian and I'm proud Australian, but I've lived between the two countries for a long time. But I knew who I wanted for my agent and it was a dream. It was a little dream and I wanted aim for the stars at first. And so I sent it to her and I didn't have a plan B because I was just going to sit back and wait. And I thought, well, when she rejects me, I will move on to the next person. So it was just as well. <laughs> she loved it because I would have been back to the drawing board and I would, was so lucky to receive representation from her like within it all happened within a couple of weeks because she contacted me and had I shown anyone else and I said no she said I'm reading it over the weekend I'll be as quick as I can and I was like okay and um anyway so she took me on which was amazing and I worked with her really known in the industry as working with so it was the best it could possibly be um before it got sent out and then it got sent out and several people were interested in it and yeah so it sold so it all was really quick but from when I sent it off to when I got my publishing deal was probably two months. Maybe, maybe. Gosh, that's incredible. It's a fabulous experience. It, it really is because bookie people, as, as you would know, Anna, bookie people are so nice. And as a demographic, if we can call them that, every single person I've met in, in the book trade, is so lovely and so positive.
0: It's and, the nicest community, isn't it?
1: My book on the shelves and that is amazing and people buying it, people reading it. That's the dream come true. But there's also all this other stuff like having readers contact me with messages on Instagram and, and also other writers the industry and the idea of writing and reading books. But
0: even Danny from Words and Nerds podcast, she offered to have me on as doing a crossover between my podcast, which has had like six episodes, and her podcast that's got like 380. My friend Claudine from Talking Aussie Books, she offered any assistance that I needed at all. Don't hesitate. These
1: people are just so so lovely it doesn't seem to matter on what level the book industry is a- and it's genuinely because people love books and it's and to me that's amazing the whole library community is another whole world lovely it's so inclusive it's so people like you who have one business but then you diverse because because of the love of books i'm sure you're not doing it to you know to make you millions you do doing no <laughs> it's really heartening to know that people are still reading. When I was on a walk, I saw this woman with her two kids walking along and the girl, she would have been about nine or 10. The little boy was doing his thing and she was walking along with her mum on their walk, reading a book. And I was just like, oh, that's so nice. And it was brilliant. I wish I could do that. I'd end up flat on my face. (laughs) I just think it's lovely that people are still reading. Um, So what book are you reading at the moment? I'm reading a book by Michelle Gallon called Big Girl, Small Town. I knew nothing about it. It, but I kind of like cover and I picked it up. Nice title. Yeah, it is a nice title and it by an Irish writer who I've never heard of, but I really love Irish writers. Any Irish writer I'll have a read of. This is Michelle Gallon. I don't know anything about her yet. She feels like a young writer, just goes straight into it. She sort of, you know, puts the accent in, but it's just a story about a girl who works in a fish and chip shop or a chippy and so far not a lot's happened, but I love it so much. Oh, <laughs> I
0: love that feeling.
1: But it's really, it's, you know, you know something's going to happen but so far she's just been in her place of work and then she comes home and she eats her fish and chips in her bed at night. I can tell I'm going to really love it. I've read The Thursday Murder Club, which I love. I love that one. <laughs> I love that. I read that particularly because of Richard Osman. He's not well known over here. But- yeah, I didn't know him at all. In the UK, he's massive. He's a comedian, he's a character, he's a commentator and he's really dry and really funny. So I was really dying for his book to come out and I adored it. I find it really interesting and lovely how successful it's been because it's sold millions. It's really so old-fashioned, not even as dark as an Agatha Christie. It was a real cosy mystery and it was really sweet. People want to read that sort of stuff. I find it really interesting, that sort of book. It has been so popular. I love that it has been. Yeah. But yeah, so I love that. And the other one that I read it a while back was Sorrow and Bliss. I can't remember where it got me, but it got me fairly close to the front and then I was just like, it's it's so good. I love it. Did you love it?
0: I loved it so much. And my friend Adrienne who didn't like it at all and I'm like, but it was hilarious and she's like no no it was really depressing and I'm like but there were so many little invokes
1: and the only other thing and this is not spoiling it for anyone else because this is very well known the only other thing that I found that people didn't like about it because I have looked at reviews on it because I thought oh I love this you know and universally people are loving it but a lot of people are really annoyed that she didn't name her affliction or yeah I noticed it of course but I didn't it didn't bother me at all either either. isn't it funny what different people see or what I can see exactly why she didn't name I did a lot of research for Norman Foreman about psoriasis. It, whilst there's not a lot about it in there, I wanted to make sure that I got it right, but I didn't put too much detail in, but it was more about feeling about it. stuff. But If you have a specific illness or anything to do with the character, I think as a writer, you really got to make an effort to get it as, as right as you possibly can. Because... Oh,
0: absolutely. But I wanted to ask about that. So Norman's psoriasis,
1: he's so vulnerable. I did have a friend who suffered from eczema quite badly, and I've never Never forgotten particular time when we were just teenagers we had to go into the bank and I remember I was standing next to her and she handed her book to the um to the teller and the teller visibly recoiled and you know I've never forgotten that because she cried about it afterwards you know people are uneducated I guess anyway so because you know I didn't write this book to say you know I want to um, bring attention to diversity and all that sort of stuff not consciously but I think it's really important to show people in all walks of life in all all colors all weights, all sizes, all all mental states, all physical states. I mean, because that's what the world is. And so I wanted Norman to have a different, if in a way, you know, diversity comes in. Mm -hmm. It wasn't conscious. I didn't want Norman to be the poster boy for psoriasis. But I wanted people to maybe go, oh, 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 I remember I saw someone else with that, you know, sort of thing. And and how awful it must be for them and the pain, because I know that it's painful. It's not just, doesn't just look like the least of their worries. You know, psoriasis and eczema are painful, painful, painful conditions. And also it's a condition that's almost, well, the whole book is about hope. That condition is almost hopeless for some people because it's so ongoing and it's so relentless. I mean, you can imagine in my research, I tried not to delve like too deep on the, you know, the images side of it because it's so heartbreaking and must be awful as a parent to try and get a child through that and explain, well, you know, it, it might get better one day if we do this, and we do that. And in fact, it was so funny because it was my, because as you would know, having read the book, Norman loves his cheese on toast and you know what it wasn't until my editor put something in the column she said and I imagine the dairy wouldn't be doing it too much good either and I thought yeah that's so true and it amazingly fitted in with the story that dairy is not great for, for skin conditions like people do normally cut out dairy and I'm like oh, it actually really fits in because he always loved his cheese on toast it then became sort of a payoff it's like he loves his cheese on toast but he knows it's not going to be good for his skin but oh he loves it so much and stuff so that was an interesting little <laughs> snippet
0: it. i thought heard of- it's in perfect. My mum's a vegan, so I know how bad dairy is for skin. <laughs> we do a Wandering Women book club, and I'm thinking that Norman would be perfect for them. It's a beautiful book. It's wonderful. They are the best group of ladies.
1: It's so nice because I. It was years ago when I was living up in Cairns, and I used to do a lot of walking around on the Esplanade. And I said to a couple of my friends, "Let's do a, a walking women's um, book club," and no one was into it. And I was like, "Oh, I thought it was a great idea." Oh, how fun it is a fun. great idea. It's fantastic. It's so Lovely. Oh, well, I'd love to think of Norman on that. Please, please put him forward. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly will. Thank you. Now you're all across on Instagram, and
0: I think you do a wonderful job there.
1: No, I'm. Look, I'm on Twitter, but um, but I'm kind of not on. And I really like Instagram because it's visual and it's friendly and it's. Oh, the Bookstagram community did not know that it existed. And lovely. And there's so many people that are dedicated. Oh, the trouble they go to for these little images. And but a lot of people don't tag you. They'll just they'll just put a Bookstagram or something like that. I've become very adept at spotting my, the spine of my book. And I'm like, oh, and it's so exciting to see it. and wonderful and stuff. it's a lovely, lovely So
0: where's the best place that you've seen your book?
1: I'm lucky enough to have been able to see it in shops in Melbourne. But of course, in the UK, where I got my first book deal, people have sent me photos and things like that. But I think the funniest one was Lizzie Dent, who wrote The Summer Job. She lives in Europe. I posted this picture of her at Waterstones in Piccadilly, which is the biggest bookshop. I been. dream of going there yeah and I didn't know where Norman was in there because I know he's in lots of Waterstones and I've seen lots of pictures and stuff but I didn't know if he was if he was there I'd hoped but but she posted this picture of her being very happy holding her book and oh and I saw the spine of it and the thing that really gave me a kick was it's filed under F for Norman (laughs) (laughs) exactly that that's exactly how it should be so So Norman, someone sent me a picture of Norman in oh my gosh what's the tiny town I can't remember what it's called now but it's in Cornwall and it's just out of Penzance not only did Norman and Sadie start their journey but that's where I started writing the book and they sent me a picture of the book in the window and I was like oh Oh, it's so poetic that he started the bookend that's fantastic all the way around there and ended up there as well in this tiny little village which I I feel really bad now that I can't remember the name of it, but um, yeah, he ended up, Five kilometres from where he started is so funny. So very happy about that. So, <laughs> what are you working on, Meg? So I'm working on book two, and I'm just doing edits of it. I've just printed it out. It's finished, but it's not finished. The first draft's finished. It's due. I have to deliver it at the end of August, so I'm going to be very busy. I'm loving it. I'm very excited about it. I went through all the stages and got through the. Oh, is this really? Is there a story here? <laughs> and then, and then I realised writing must be so busy. difficult. It's hard because you're on your own and because I mean it's only you that doesn't let other people read it but I wouldn't dream of letting anyone read it even now there was a certain point where I kind of knew I had something and then something else dropped into place because I very much am character driven so I had my characters I had my three characters and I knew I loved them and I think people will love them but I I was a little less convinced on the story but now something's fallen into place and I and I love it so that's out oh fantastic congratulations <laughs> that's out next week July uh, allegedly it's not it'll only be my fault but yeah so that's due to go to my editor in the UK in yeah at the end of August and then we'll start doing the, the edits and stuff and so fingers crossed it'll be yeah
0: Will we see a sequel to Norman Foreman?
1: I can't see a sequel to Norman right now because Norman's still twelve because it was set, you know, in contemporary times. So I can't imagine him having another adventure that that exciting. And him and Sadie have worked through a lot of, you know. I know, adventures.
0: and really, so he would just be doing lockdown school now, I guess, yeah, as well.
1: Exactly, exactly. Nobody That's wants right. to see that. No, look, look, I'll never say never again when, um, you know, like I could imagine Norman as a young man. And I was thinking, it was so funny when I was writing this a couple of days ago, I thought, wouldn't it be funny to have Norman and Sadie drive through and show up in, in this story? But I don't think they're going to. But no sequel now, maybe possibly book three, book four. I don't know. i will have to get the old brain box moving. If there's something worth pursuing, definitely because once Norman grows up I think he will be a person to be reckoned with and I think he probably will have a story
0: absolutely he's gonna be a lovely man
1: turns out to be some kind of a mass murder or something I might put him in a no way there is a little bit of an itch that I want to scratch with Leonard because I absolutely adore Leonard and I he he has a big backstory that never got in the book and so I know his story and there's a lot going on there that I would kind of like to pursue so that's another maybe
0: well I love the romance of and an iris,
1: that would be really nice seeing them when they were younger. Yeah, So there is a lot to explore there, but, but book two, no. But I think um, without too much about the story, completely different to Norman Foreman, but it's very character-driven, which as Love like, a
0: character-driven story. Yeah.
1: Good story. It's funny. It's sad. And what I think really is that it'll leave you with the same feelings that you have after you finish Norman. I think you'll close book two and you'll go, oh, ah. yeah, you know, lovely. Okay. But you, along the way, you will have had to explore some, you know, some maybe some tough and challenging things and I and I hope I'll always write.
0: But the funny thing about Norman Foreman, you're dealing with a lot of serious themes in there. It's just handled so tenderly. You nice. don't realize what you're tackling.
1: Yeah, that's a nice way to say it. You know, I read a saying the other day, perfectly encapsulate the books that I want to read, but also the books that I want to write, which is tender hearts and calloused hands.
0: Yeah, that's lovely. Okay, well, I think that's it. Thank you so much.
1: I'll keep in touch with you and when I'm in Sydney, I'll definitely come. I'll visit you in college. excellent. we well, plan the best event. <laughs> Thank you, Anna. Thank you so much. Okay, so thanks for
0: listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. See you next time on ReaderPod Pod Podcast.